Hello, and welcome back to our new Shape of Work podcast series. My name is Norman Drager. I'm a partner at Mercer based in Frankfurt, Germany, and I lead Mercer's international client segment in the international region. Our podcast today will focus on the results of Mercer's global talent trends research. The COVID-19 pandemic has raised new complexities for employers and employees, putting in place new ways of thinking and working, many of which we'll expect to remain in place after the crisis is over. Now, for many years, Mercer has conducted an annual survey entitled Global Talent Trends, or GTT, which studies the trends that are shaping the world of work for both employers and their people. The findings of this year's study are particularly interesting, given the disruption that we're seeing in the world of work as a result of the global pandemic. And joining us today to talk about how global talent trends are influencing HR strategies during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond is Kate Bravery, Mercer's Global Advisory Solutions and Insight Leader. Kate, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Norman. It's great to be here. Uh, And gosh, what a year it's been. Uh, We certainly have seen a lot of changes in thinking. Um, And I'm glad you mentioned GTT as the acronym because Global Talent Trends is a bit of a mouthful, so I can use No kidding, yeah. For, for, for the listeners out there, I had to do multiple takes there. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And it's, yeah. it's also just great to, to have this opportunity to take time out and reflect on what's happening and certainly what the implications might be for the future of work and the future of working. So, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and great to be doing this again. We had a lot of fun recording a podcast uh, about a month ago. Now the tables are turned uh, with <laughs> you in the hot seat. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. So, Kate. Every year, you lead research into global talent trends. And for 2020, four distinct trends emerged from your research. Could you provide us with a quick overview of these trends? And for those who may not be familiar with the study, share your key takeaways from this year's research? Sure, Norman, love to. (laughs) You're right, we've actually been doing the research for five years. And this was a year actually when we decided to look at, of the trends that we've talked about in the last five years, which one was showing longevity and which ones might actually define the future? And then of course the coronavirus hit. (laughs) And then we saw many of the trends accelerate in front of our eyes and other plans get shelved. So it's been a really fascinating year this year to write the report. You asked what the four trends were. Um, Well, let me me share some of the headline findings. As you know, the the study is a culmination of 7,000 voices, including employees, HR leaders, and the C-suite. And let me just pull out, I think, some of the things that have really interested our clients this period. The first trend is around focus on futures. So how are companies prioritizing tomorrow in this current environment? And and we honestly couldn't have predicted just how relevant it was going to become, whether it's sustainability of our businesses, our economy, societies. This whole remote working experience tested our business models. It's interrogated our digital capabilities everyone to take a really cold hard look about how are we creating a work environment that ensures we're building shared futures for all factions of our workforce. You know there was a if I look at the data there was definitely an undertone this year about people worried about worried about career prospects, concern about AI and automation uh, taking those jobs in the future Um, and that is influencing employees behavior. We also saw particularly the younger generation, Gen Zs, um, coming into the workforce concerned about things such as mental well-being and financial wellness. I haven't quite seen that before. I, I think maybe 
some of these growing up through the first recession and seeing the impact of that on their parents has made them a lot more cautious about the world of work. And that's influencing everything from the type of companies they're deciding to work for um, and how they're evaluating companies at this time. So the second trend was race to reskill. Before the pandemic, 98% of companies were planning a transformation and a big part of that transformation was around skills. What was fascinating this year was that executives said that their investment in learning was the number one HR initiative they thought would deliver a business return. And that's quite significant. We give them a list of about 20 odd HR initiatives. And this was by a long shot number one. First time we've seen it um, kind of peaking its head up. This is exciting. We certainly have heard also from the World Economic Forum, a real focus on upskilling, reskilling, more aggressive redeployment, you know, between industries, you know, to build the capabilities we need for the future. The challenge though, Norman, was it's actually employee uptake. Because when we spoke to employees about why they hadn't taken up reskilling, they said things such as, well, one, there's a lack of time at work. Two, I want to spend my free time in other ways. Or three, even if I do reskill, our company's not going to value it and I'm not going to get opportunities. So if we, we, we think that reskilling is critical for our transformation, we've got to look differently at lifelong learning and start to look at you know, performance management and, and, and new structures that can support uh, a much more aggressive reskilling environment. Saying that, <laughs> during the lockdown, um, a lot of reskilling went on, or at least upskilling. And many organizations reported about a tenfold increase in the use of online learning. Um, so I think that, that that will signal a change. Maybe we'll move away from some of the apathy we've seen in the past. I think employees are definitely beginning to realize that if they want to stay relevant and marketable. They need to be you know, reskilling at the same pace that organizations are restructuring. All right, so trend four was around sense for science. This one's all around analytics and AI. I'm so excited this year to see a quadruple increase in predictive analytics. So being able to ask those questions such as, you know, if we gave 10% salary increase to this population over here, what would be the impact on uh, their performance? Or if we were able to retain more older workers, what would be the impact on our market share? So really great business uh, questions being answered by data and analytics, much more so than we've seen in the past. But what's interesting is there's huge adoption of algorithms in HR and huge data and analytics coming in. That's actually raising some questions around sort of protection versus privacy. And COVID-19 has definitely made that more urgent. So whether it's the data we're now getting from contact tracing apps to remote monitoring technology or mining data to say, hey, can we get a read on mental health with those that are working remotely? We're getting a lot more questions on that. Um, a lot of experiments are happening so people can start to use the current data to predict. Um, but this definitely needs a lot more care and attention uh, to get that right and to do that ethically in the new environment. Fourth trend, energize the experience. I mean, gosh, the experience has transformed in front of your eyes. You were mentioning earlier, Norman, how you've managed to make the transition, I think in part because we're already working remotely. But for right, us, right. it's been, yeah, it's been really sizable. Um, and so what we've been doing is saying, look, we did some research about what does make people energized by their job? And we found that those that were more energized by their job were five times more likely to say they want to stay with the company, 
Photons more likely to say they're thriving, and they're also much keener to adopt reskilling, which we've just been chatting about. So the question now is how can we take that learning and apply that to energize people in a remote or blended work experience? Um, so that's what we've been doing, which has been really interesting, <laughs> and uh, looking at how we can get more uh, person-centered approaches to how we experience work and how do we institutionalize a culture uh, that you know is free from the four walls of a physical office. Well, that's great, Kate. Yeah. The last point I did want to mention was just uh, we did have a meta theme this year, which was about winning with empathy and. I think everybody's talked about empathy since. Uh, it was our mega trend. It cuts across all four of the trends. Um, but let me leave you with one stat on that. We found that energized employees, or people who are energized by their job, to be technically correct, are six times more likely to work for a company where wow. its leaders effectively balance economics and empathy in their decisions. And, and we've definitely got a lot of decisions uh, due to economic challenges that companies are being faced. So being able to have the right data that means you can make decisions about the impact on the experience of things such as cost control will become really increasingly important if we want to do the right thing by our people. So you know, we're coming to time and I'd be remiss if I didn't just ask and how are you doing, Kate? And you know, what's changing for you? I know that you know, all of our lives have changed a lot as a result of the crisis. Um, now how, is the pandemic impacting you and the way you're working and you're engaging with your, your customers and colleagues? Yeah, interesting. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know, funnily enough, I've actually spent more time talking to companies about talent trends and the future of work than I have the last few years. Really? Um, yeah. yeah, and it, you, you know, I recently moved from Hong Kong to the UK. Um, you know, when I was in Hong Kong, I certainly spent time with executives and HR in Asia because I could get to it. But certainly for UK companies and for companies in the US, two big markets for us, I you know, just didn't spend time with them. But because everybody's got so comfortable having all their meetings by Zoom, I've you know, had a great opportunity to really engage with yeah, a lot of companies in Germany where you are, which has been right, amazing right. this year. And I've, I've really enjoyed that. And I mean, that is kind of super exciting, this idea <laughs> that it's not just a team who can make it that day, you know, who can travel yeah. that day to see the client. We can pull really our best team from all around the globe to join these virtual meetings and client interactions. It's really compelling. It's an exciting time. Yeah, it's been nice. And of course, then it has it's a little less wearing for my kids at home because my mom yeah. is permanently on a plane. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, business travel is, is never going to look like the way it did before. But with a five and seven year old at home, um, you know, they're really lovely, love, love having kind of mum around a bit more, even if sure, I am sure. um, locked into Zoom most of the days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Kate, it's been great catching up. Um, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, always good, Norman. Lovely to, lovely to speak today. Yeah, so valued listeners, if you'd like to learn more about changing HR strategies and get access to resources and support, please visit our website at mercer.com. And we'd love to invite you to join us for our next podcast. We'll be sharing more conversations about COVID-19's impact on the future of work. In the meantime, and for now, stay safe and look after yourselves and each other. All the best.